0: Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale.
1: We're talking about the grand reopening of the Hagen History Center uh, on the weekend of July 17th. Welcome, folks. are really glad that you're here.
0: Thanks, Joel. Good to see you again. Thanks so
1: much for having uh, us. All right, Pam, we, this is your first time on the show. Uh, I got to go through a drill. We, we do origin stories. Tell us how you came up. Are you a, an eerie girl or did, you, or did you transplant?
2: Oh, no, I'm an eerie girl. Yep, born and raised here. Went to Villa Marie Academy, went off to Penn State, worked for ad agencies, and most people know me from the newspaper. So, And my daughter got married here, so this is a perfect match for me for my career.
1: That's fantastic. She got married at the Cur- Watson Curtsy Mansion. Watson yeah. Wow, that's amazing, and and of course, George, uh, you grew up here, or right? I mean, or yeah, yeah. And then you left, and then you came. They dragged you back, and you've been doing amazing work uh, with the uh, with the Erie County Historical Society. I want you to kind of explain to our listeners as we get started here, um, because. Things in Erie sometimes don't change. You both can can attest to that. But there's been significant fundamental change with the historical society. What's behind that? Why is that? And why all this now? Incredible! This incredible new uh, revolution of the historical society in the in all its assets.
0: Well, when I got lured to come back to Erie, <laughs> and it wasn't hard because a I love Erie history. And be my children and grandchildren were here. Um, so it was, it was an easy decision to move back. The mission that I was given was we, we had done some preliminary uh, remodeling, renovating, a really nice job on the campus here on Sixth and Chestnut. And it was time to take it to a new height. And, you know, I hired an educator, I hired a curator. And we started building this and uh, we we had this wonderful opportunity because of our patron Tom Hagan to uh, continue to grow and to grow our mission. And what we want to do today and next week and in the years to come is we want people to be excited about their heritage. We want to be where history inspires people. and. Um, that's from the, the school students that we bring through to the uh, researchers that come here to research, um, to the families, to the senior citizens. We want people walking away saying, wow. Mm. And um, you know, uh, in the last five years, we've spent about $11 million to acquire and renovate and build 11 new exhibits out. I've got one more exhibit to, to go for next year, another million bucks. And on top of the initial uh, work and renovations uh, before I came here, um, you're going to see $16 million worth of new, improved, and again, hopefully inspiring way to look at history.
1: I, I want to make sure that we uh, understand when we talk about history, It that is that is evolving insofar as that um, – we want to make sure that it's inclusive and expansive. Can you talk about how the thinking about as, as you're, as you're planning exhibits, as you're planning programming, how has, how has the, um, the striving to be inclusive been incorporated in all that, George?
0: Well, I can say that we're working with one of the top exhibit design companies in the country, from Virginia. And, uh, they they've been here for two years running now. Um, and, you know, we, we've held uh, public opportunities, stakeholder opportunities. And one thing that they are striving to do and that we want to have happen is when people come here to look at um, their history, it's our history. Um, we want them to see their uh See themselves, see their families' faces, uh, see where they came from. Next year's exhibit, which is going to be um, coming to Erie, uh, we want people uh, from the earliest settlers to tell their story all the way up through today's refugees, sure. and we want those people um, of all uh, times here, whether it be 200 years or whether it be, you know, two weeks to be able to see themselves and see their community and understand that Erie is a place, it's a good place and where people have come to settle and build lives and climb up that ladder from the the ground floor um, to uh, be a success.
1: Pam I want you to weigh in because uh, as a newspaper person you're you're writing that history uh you know you've been writing that history over the the past few decades uh you know in a in a contemporary way and again the the idea of of having a basically a wide angle lens on Erie is a hugely important thing isn't it
2: Oh yeah and uh, a lot of just the fact that the buildings are here, it isn't that they're just buildings. We're telling people about who lived there. What did they do? Um, we were very active in researching and are still researching a lot of what the women did. I mean, these weren't just ladies of leisure. These were Carrie T. Watson, her daughter Winifred Watson-Griswold, and all of the Morrison women were very active. They were very helpful during the war efforts. That uh, We have a diary that we had of Ann Morrison's that is entertaining and also uh just shows what thing what they were doing in those days you know everything from ice skating on the lake with her dad Mm. to uh, the canal which was outside her home and it's uh, a lot about who lived in these places and what they did plus the servants who lived in watson curtsy uh we not have not just lists but photos and a little bit about what some of those folks did and some of it's very interesting we're not going to tell you because you got to come through
1: you got to come kind of come through it and i would imagine that uh uh, you know, the Watsons, uh, you know, along with uh, some of the other – some many of the other prominent families were the patron of uh, – you know, Harry T. Burley got him to go to uh, – uh, to the conservatory in New York, and and again, uh, you know that, that that visceral eerie connection uh, throughout throughout our our history here. All right, uh, I want I'm going to take my break early because I want to get to uh, this huge announcement that you guys made, and that is that the San Francisco office of um, Frank Lloyd Wright. You literally have it installed uh, as, as a national um, attraction at the new exhibit hall. George, let's, let's talk about where this idea came from to bring, you know, this iconic architect's uh, kind of personal belongings to Erie, Pennsylvania.
0: Well, it's, it's a lengthy story. I, I will try to be short, but um, – <laughs> Uh, but three months into my return to Erie, um, I had a conversation with Tom Hagen. And um, Hagen has a friend and contact in Buffalo who actually owned the office. The office was originally uh, purchased when they, they closed the, the partnership uh, uh, rights last partner, um, sold it to uh, uh, the guy that owned Domino's Pizza, who then gave it to Carnegie Mellon. Carnegie Mellon had it in their architectural school for a while, and then they moved on. And then Jim Sandaro, who runs the Buffalo Transportation Museum, bought it thinking, because there's so many right uh, sites up in Buffalo, that he would add one more. Well. Turned out, uh, he went in a different direction, and the office was available.
1: Uh, well, let me Mr. ask Hay- you: Who would have the foresight to say, "Hey, maybe we should uh, dismantle this office perfectly, uh, so that we, re- you know, that we can, uh, you know, conserve this?" That well, even that's remarkable, don't you think?
0: Yeah, the when Wright's last partner decided to retire. You know everything that Wright did is iconic in that architectural world, and it's collectible. So this gotcha. this billionaire collector bought the office, and um, eventually again donated it down to Carnegie Mellon, and so um, it's. Uh, but once it was uh, disassembled for the second time, it sat for what is now about fifteen years. Wow. And um, but you you talk about somebody with a vision, um, Tom Hagen had this vision, uh, not only is it a really cool thing to have, but it, importantly, it can be an opportunity for Erie to get on uh, a, a national map. The Wright Foundation, the Conservancy, they have an international reach. They have hundreds of thousands of people that belong or are associated with them on social media. And it, people follow Wright sites, like they follow uh, lighthouses and zoos, they travel all over the country, Japanese tourists flying with the cameras, um, you know, to, to see these sites. And uh, uh, what an opportunity it is for Erie. And we have some Wright inspired buildings here, but to become part of that larger Wright family and to get people from all over the world to come to Erie to look at something that is very iconic. And for all of these Wright autos, they've never been able to walk into this office. Yes, When it was at Carnegie, it was um, uh, behind glass. They're actually gonna be able to walk in Wright's footsteps, uh, walk in like they were a client or um, coming in to, to view this for the first time ever. So we've got all kinds of, of interest from afar And um, for people in Erie, it's going to be a really fun thing to see and to learn about and to see the icon of uh, American architecture, the guy that really changed American architecture, the most influential architect in our history, to be able to walk in and see his space and to walk in his footsteps. We really are excited about it. And I think our, our folks around the region should be excited, too. But that's only one of 11 new exhibit galleries we have, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more, um, that can bring people in. And um, again, this wow factor, this excitement, this inspiration about our history.
1: Pam, uh, from the pictures I saw that you sent us, uh, it's as if you are looking over the San Francisco Bay. The the imagery is is where, where, it's like where the office su- stood in San Francisco, right? Is is that what I was looking at?
2: Yeah, it's uh, 319 Grant Street is where it was located. So it's when you walk in, it's on a second floor. So you're not really looking overlooking the Bay, you're overlooking Grant Street.
1: Gotcha. And yeah.
2: the houses, or well, not houses, the buildings would be just as if you're in a second floor office building on Grant Street. So when you look out the windows, it, you're seeing what you would have seen At that time.
1: And what's the deal with the glass uh, that hid the light? Was that lighting above the
2: ceiling paneling? There's a a variety of different lighting arrangements in there. In uh, Frank Lloyd writes, specific office his own personal office lighting is much cozier the whole room is cozier in the drafting room that is adjacent to that it's a taller more of what you would expect Frank Lloyd Wright along with kind of the uh, partition that has light coming through it. So it's um, the kind of thing that he did in houses he did in his office and uh, the uh, 120 degree angles that um, are pretty impressive. It's just you know seeing the walls and seeing different things that he the way that he really liked to design
1: the custom furniture knocks me out like ah. the custom drafting tables right and the and the benches and it's like who does this well Frank Lloyd Wright does this
0: mm-hmm. and he did it for himself
1: yeah you know he de-
0: he designed hundreds of buildings homes public buildings etc but there's only a, a few this is the only one in California. His home in Wisconsin, his his place in Teleus and West out in Scottsdale, um, were designed for himself and his work, um, and that's also what helps to make this unique, because it's it's not a public building. It's not a home that he built for somebody else. He built this for himself.
1: Hmm. So, are are you is the plan that the historical society is going to work with the Western Conservant? Conservancy to kind of build this uh, right trail, be through Western PA and Western New York, you think?
0: Oh, absolutely. This is one of the things that is going to be a high priority for us Um, basically as soon as we get through our grand opening. yeah, We've spoken with the Foundation. We've spoken with the Conservancy. There's currently a right trail in southern Wisconsin. There's also one that's in the works in Illinois. But my vision is we have uh, a cluster of Wright sites, some really great ones up in Buffalo. Yeah. There's also, uh, east of Pittsburgh, there's Falling Waters and Kentuck Knob. And I'd like to pull all of us together into our Frank Lloyd Wright Trail. We're really the linchpin of that. Um, and um, hopefully, again, that will be a vehicle to get a lot more people um, stopping in Erie and saying, Hey, what a great spot this is going not only through our museum, but, you know, they can see the peninsula, the Maritime Museum, Art Museum, other places. So we hope this is going to be a real builder for our community.
1: Talk about the other elements uh, that are part of the right collection, at least for this year.
0: One of the things that, well, we have two uh, temporary pieces coming in for, for our grand opening. One's only going to be here till October, but it is a fantastic automobile. It's a cord, a 1930 cord. And, um, if you're not familiar with a, what a cord is, think of, um, Elliot Ness's Packard souped up. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's, it's just a great large 17 foot long car running boards and crazy looking lights on it. And, um, so that's we've borrowed that from the Auburn Cord Duesenberg Museum in Indiana. That will be here, um, and uh, alongside of it, uh, we have our own Frank Lloyd Wright uh, vehicle. Although it's it's one that he didn't uh, that he didn't own, but it's an exact replica of a much smaller car called a Crosley, which um, will be permanently in our exhibit. Um, we also have borrowed for a year. Um, this wonderful large model, another 17 footer of the butterfly bridge, which right designed to go over San Francisco Bay um, as an innovator. He hated the steel girder type of bridges that were popping up all over the country in the first half of the 20th century. And in 1949, he proposed this concrete bridge, which is a work of art um, to go over the Bay, 200 feet above the water, it would soar. It's a great model. Unfortunately, the uh, uh, Parazipi in San Francisco uh, never bought it. But yeah. this model is a really cool piece to, for people to see. We,
1: we were saying that, uh, you know, I took my trip, uh, I guess it would have been 1990 now. Uh, we went up to – we were in San Francisco. We went up to uh, Sonoma. Over the Golden Gate, but we're coming back, and the Bay Bridge uh, to Oakland is not much to look at, you know, uh, from from the north side. So that's what they ended up doing is just kind of, kind of, just kind of putting something together there. It, it seems to be. Um, so, so this we have this this right uh, this right uh, destination, if you will, and um, that that's kind of the the. Kind of the uh, the foundation of, like you say, all of these other exhibits, and uh, I've got about two minutes before the bottom of the hour. I want you to talk about uh, the main, not the not the mansion, but what else, What other things uh, will be a part of the the viewer the visitor experience? Excuse me, as you go into this new building that you've built there.
0: What are we looking? Well, at? Well, into the new building. The first thing you're going to see is is a gallery about connecting Erie. Um, It also uh, we we have Erie in the American Dream, which talks about our years as the um, boiler and engine capital of the world. We show things that have been manufactured in Erie like stoves, um, even horseshoes, believe it or not, Um, as well as uh, talking about Erie in the American Dream. And that's a a stage setter then for our exhibits for next year, which we can talk about at another time. But then we uh, renovated the uh, Wood Morrison house completely. Second floor is our education center. First floor, we have three wonderful brand new exhibits. One of them's on the Extension Canal, which not many people know about, ran right through the city and right next to our building. And um, we also have uh, an exhibit on... Uh, Erie in the Navy at one time. There were so many naval officers that uh, came to Erie for training and married Erie women. Uh, Erie became known as the mother-in-law of the Navy. And then we also have a, another gallery in that same building um, that honors um, Erie folks, men and women, for their service to the country in the military.
1: And that that that's very appropriate since uh, uh, was it Captain Morrison or uh, Doctor Morrison?
0: Cap- Captain Morrison and Doctor Wood were the two okay. owners of the of the
1: house. George, I think what we were talking about was Wood Morrison House and how it's uh, it's dedicated to education as well as kind of highlighting um, a, a lot of the uh, of the military background of Erie, right? Yeah, and.
0: Our exhibits in that house that that have to do with the military are not... We don't talk about battles, but what we do talk about is the people from Erie who served. And highlighting, you know, we've got uniforms from um, all of our wars. Um, One woman who I um, uh, would have liked to have met, um, we have her uniform. She was a hairdresser in Erie. Went off to Second World War, served in the uh, Women's Army Corps, came back to Erie, went back to being a hairdresser again. But the, the fun thing was she was related to um, Hector di Tullio, uh, old Hector's Cafe in the uh, sure. center of Little Italy. Um, her name was Elvira Manarelli, and she seems like quite a character. We've got her uniform and her story. Uh, we have stories of a lot of people who um, uh, served. Um, we've got some tragic stories, uh, uh, World War II young man named Jesse Salajak who uh, graduated from Academy high school, went off to war. Um, he was killed within a year. Mm. And, um, when his, um, niece and nephew brought us his, um, uh, all of his stuff uh, a couple of years back when we did our World War II exhibit, um, we opened for the very first time the his, the flag that draped his casket, of course, folded in a triangle. His mother had never been able to open that flag, um, that flag box. And so, um, you know, we've got some great stories throughout, you know, the Niagara, War of 1812, the Wolverine, Michigan. Uh, we have a section called uh, salt water or fresh water to saltwater. talking about all the guys that were trained. My grandfather is in there 31 years in the Navy, grew up at second and peach wow. joined the Navy trained on the Wolverine at the age of 16. And 31 years later, he retired from the Navy. There are a lot of great stories. Um,
2: and, and-, and of course the pot is in there too. Okay.
0: Oh, yes.
1: So that's where the pot is. That's at, where at, the Wayne pot is. At yes. the uh, Wood Morrison the name, house.
0: But
2: not only the pot,
0: but we have the chair that he died in, oh, and we God. have pieces of his coffin. So it's no longer in the deep, dark basement that would scare the heck out of the kids, <laughs> but it's there for people to see.
1: So so the whole – so that people understand, again, if they have not been to the museum – I mean we used to just call it the museum um, You know, when we were kids. If they haven't been there in, in years, the idea is to restore the Watson-Curtsey mansion as a – would you call it an Elizabeth? not Elizabethan, um, an Edwardian kind of, uh, or, you know, upper crust kind of home from a hundred plus years ago. What's the thought there, Pam?
2: Oh yeah. It's, it's, uh, and, uh, actually the, um, Wood Morrison house is older. Right. Than- that was, now, Watson- that
1: was mid 1800s, right? Wood Morrison. Yes. Yeah. Now
2: Wood Morrison is older, but Watson Curtsy is, a a completely different classification of a house the limestone um in fact i think it's uh what is it medina it's medina
0: sandstone and we actually uh last year were honored to become and who knew um, into the medina sandstone hall of fame for that building
1: is that right and again you're referring to medina ohio is where it was quarried. no medina new york oh okay Up by rochester
0: sarah's rochester area
1: and and uh, and so the, the the concept here in something that you're excited about was Winifred Watson's childhood bedroom. Talk about the restoration project that way.
0: Well, um, the the house has uh, some exhibit galleries, has some features as it would have been in um, as the folks living there. Uh, we uh, have the bedroom restored as a bedroom, uh, her, her uh, dresser, you we know, have photographs of, of where she sat. We've restored those areas of the room um, that, you know, you can walk in there except for the exhibit case instead of the bed, it, you know, she would certainly recognize her room. Wow. But right across the hall and down a bit, we not only, um, again, telling her story, But we're also telling the story of all the other folks that lived in the house, the servants. And we've um, restored the servants' quarter areas, two bedrooms, bathroom. And, um, you know, they had heat and running water, which they may not have had from their homes where they came from. But it's the first time that those servants' quarters have ever been open to the public. And we're pretty excited about that
1: talk about that this is an ongoing project right you alluded to me last time we talked well uh, at least when we talked in, in person back in November of 19 that there's there's plans to like restore the ballroom and so on is that still on the the docket
0: oh yeah the ballroom is actually we we have uh we've actually balls in the ballroom now you do and, uh, okay um, the Regency Ball is, is here every year, and we also use it um, for some larger exhibits in between. Um, I can't say much about it yet, but we have a major exhibit that's going to go in in January there that'll, that'll be there for a year, which we're pretty excited about. So the, the campus is dynamic. Um, I think every time you come back, you'll see something different. Um, You know, we have we have certain things that are, you know, that are kind of basic to our core, but we're also adding and changing and making things exciting.
1: Uh, Pam, people need to understand that the new entrance to the Hagen History Center is in the carriage house, which uh, used to be the planetarium. But that's been removed for uh, now. It's available for research and so on. Talk about all that.
2: Well, it's uh, completely redone. If you had been here, I remember when I was here, when it was a planetarium. In fact, my son worked here for a little while. uh, You won't believe that this is the same building when you walk in here. You will see a lot of evidence of the carriage house, and you can see right behind George, he's sitting in the uh, top Floor where um, you can see that there's the the wood is different. Everything in there is is pretty incredible. Um, The uh, library downstairs is also pretty incredible. And uh, if you've been here recently, you would recognize you know the gift shop and there are a lot of spaces. And uh, again, the woodwork is fantastic. And um, upstairs where I'm sitting, George is in his office. I mean, it's just it's hard to believe that that's what this used to be as a carriage house because uh but but when everything was torn out of here i was fortunate i was on the board at the time i was fortunate enough to see when you walked in and uh i think george had mentioned that every horse had its own window (laughs) is that right (laughs) but you can kind of picture like again when i saw it completely vacant you could picture where the carriages would have been, um, you know, the curtsies obviously had vehicles. They had cars in here, and some of the servants who lived here would have been chauffeurs, cooks, um, drivers. So, uh, and, and people who handled the carriages obviously and the horses. So it's a, it's a really, really neat place. And you do feel like you're living history and uh, it's inspiring when you sit here sometimes and just think about what would have gone on here, who would have worked here. I mean, it, they could have been our own relatives, but you know, obviously they were eerie people. So with that uh, circle of how we're all related, you know, we, we probably, some of our relatives probably knew the folks who lived and worked here.
1: George, talk about uh, the plans, or maybe it's already happening. As far as identifying, like the major events in Erie history, and so, can people expect, or when can people expect, let's say, a a um, an exhibit uh, on Strong Vincent, an exhibit on uh, Alver Hazard Perry, uh, you know, and so on.
0: Well, I'll say that. Uh... As far as major exhibits, we'll probably have one uh, major temporary exhibit per year and several smaller ones. Uh, for instance, on the, on the smaller ones, we have a, uh, an exhibit which will open uh, with all the other exhibits that we're doing on um, women's Victorian clothing. Okay. Uh, the clothing that the women who lived in this house would have had, that'll open um, in in July. We have another one um, opening in December having to do with, uh, with um, uh, children's clothing and babies. And um, we figured that one might work because of probably how many extra babies we're having with COVID. Uh, and um, uh, we have a, a great new exhibit that is a permanent exhibit that will open about Oliver Hazard Perry. Um, we were fortunate enough um, a number of months back that we bid at auction and won Oliver Hazard Perry's telescope from the Battle of Lake Erie. Oh, wow. And what's even more fascinating about that is he lent it to General um, William Henry Harrison, um, who uh, defeated the British in southern Ontario at the Battle of the Thames and later gave it to Harrison. And Harrison, of course, became president. And that telescope was in Harrison's family for 200 years, and now we have it back. Wow! And that is gonna be paired with Perry's sword from the Battle of Lake Erie, which we have had in in the collection for over hundred years. And so they'll be in a brand new, highly secured case um, that'll be in our welcome center. Um, The Kern Family Foundation uh, donated um, uh, the Welcome Center to us. There'll be a touchscreen in there. There'll be interactives. There'll be a map of the campus and this, this wonderful exhibit of uh, Perry's um, uh, sword and telescope. So we're very, um, very proud of that will be the first. Once you get through the gift shop, that'll be the first thing people will see
1: when they come in. So so is, is I guess... Is that a you know when we were walking through the 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 big open space back in in November of nineteen um you did mention that there will be you know permanent exhibits and temporary exhibits and so how do you how was how will that lay out uh, you know what will people come to expect hey this is the uh this is you know erie at wartime this is blah, blah blah you know i guess i'm i'm maybe i'm i'm too uh too traditional? Am I thinking about museums or what?
0: Well, you probably are a little traditional, but that's okay. It took me a while to get untraditional myself. But the purpose of, of our permanent exhibits are to tell every story. This, is, and, and particularly the new one that'll open a year from now, about the, uh, as I've nicknamed it, the story of us. But there'll be certain things that people will see and expect to see kind of the, 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 the central focus um, that'll be every time, but there will be multiple new and rotating exhibits okay. that people will get to see, um, you know, each and every time they come through. Some of them will be up for three months. Some of them will be up for a year, um, but it'll, it, it'll be the opportunity. We have too much stuff to show off everything at one time. So that's one of the things that we'll be rotating in and out um, throughout the, uh, the year, you know, we've, we've had, we, we did a major, uh, temporary exhibit on the civil war. We did one on world war II and we've done lots of smaller exhibits. We <clears throat> have one currently a small one, which will be up for a couple more months on Eugene Iver, the uh, Erie artist. Yeah, we have, um, another one, as I mentioned, is the children and babies exhibit that'll be up for just a, a, a couple of months. So. Um, we try to keep it dynamic and exciting.
1: So, and <laughs> Pam, talk about, yeah, this huge collection that's in the archive building and so on. That That's the whole idea of, is to keep it moving, right?
2: Exactly. And I also want to mention that we do reach out to the community, and we had, um, even during COVID, uh, during um, the celebration of women's suffrage, we worked with the folks from ArtLore. And they had the mannequins that were designed and those were on display in the ballroom and it was um that that was a very that would that was a fascinating exhibit to see what people used to express um in the archive building if you walked through there now i remember when we had the gala where we opened up the brand new watson curtsy where it was all restored that was where the gala was held. The room was complete. I mean, the building was completely empty. Yeah. And if you walk through there now and you're lucky enough to get a tour from Becky Weiser or from George or Jeff Sherry, you are just going to be the I mean, you could spend hours just in the archive building. It's uh, it, it, there's just so many things that you can anything you'd want to know. And as you walk through the aisles where there's just so many artifacts stored, everything will catch your eye i mean it absolutely everything it's just uh it's impressive and um we've we've got a lot to talk about with that coming up sure. in the future we gotta get through the grand opening first i oh, think yes.
1: we'll get through the grand opening and then i i wanna i wanna look at the maps that's my thing i i am just an absolute map addict, and you have a few of them there george don't you we have we have a few hundred <laughs> yeah uh, it's, it's incredible. All right. So let, let's get to it because we are uh, running out of time here. we got about four minutes. Um, so right now, what is open and what will be opening on the 17th of July?
0: Nothing is open right now. We're, we're wrapping up all of our construction. Um, if you're a member, we'll have our annual meeting on the 14th. Um, We'll honor our volunteers the next day with a volunteer picnic. Um, But the grand opening for the public is going to be Saturday, the 17th, starting at 11 o'clock, 11 to 6. We're going to have food trucks, music, uh, pop-up exhibits, activities for kids, plus everything else. It's going to be a real celebration. It's an open house. It's free. And then we're going to continue that onto the 18th Sunday. From eleven to four. Um, everybody that can't make it on Saturday, we hope to see them on Sunday.
1: Amazing. Right, yeah, and then uh, and then it will be that that weekend. It is it is you'll be able to experience all of these assets, right? You'll be able to go see the oh. see the new Wright exhibit, see the the new exhibits uh, that you've been talking about here, uh, including the Gris. We didn't talk about it, the Griswold cast iron right in you know, the kitchen got a whole, yeah.
0: we have a whole kitchen full of you know we have about 700 pieces we probably have 100 of them on display so if anybody's a, an iron nut it's a place to come
2: <laughs> the griswold national organization was here just uh, about a month ago and they were they were uh, very impressed with the mansion and of course with the griswold cast iron
1: what about technology? What about interactivity or videos? Uh, what can we look forward to when that all? We have out?
0: several interactive screens that people will be able to uh, interact with. Um, one of the things where, as we continue to build out, we're going to be doing even more of that. Um, a year from now, you're gonna see a lot more than uh, in terms of that than you're gonna see right now. Um, and when there's gonna be so many people on campus for the open house, I, you know, it, it's a teaser. It's a taste. Sure. I think most people, if they re- really want to get in and, you know, read the labels and, and work the interactives and all that, they'll probably have to come back. Um, and it's, you know, it's a price of a movie ticket to get in, but they'll have an opportunity to uh, really explore. And if they want a uh, guided tour, we'll have guided tours, too. Check out our website, eriehistory.org, eriehistory.org. And uh, events will be on it. Uh, opportunities to uh, become members or donate, um, and it'll um, lots of historical blogs we've been writing over the last year. Um, it's it's really a place to to see details of what we're doing.
1: Did I hear that you're looking for some volunteer docents as well? Is that accurate, Pam?
2: Oh, we're always looking Uh, right now. We have, uh, we have quite a great crew. I think we have, uh, what is it, George, about 28, 28. And um, we've uh, got it, but we're always looking. I mean, it's, uh, and it, it, I think it's a fun job. It's not really a job, but it's as a volunteer, it's, it's a lot of fun. People have their favorites. I mean, we have people who have a favorite of taking folks through the Watson Curtsy Mansion. Of course, we have people who it's going to be their favorite to be in a Frank Lloyd Wright and um, others who it's uh, in fact, the Military Gallery has its folks who are who have favorites. And I want to make sure they get a plug in here. Jeff Kidder was our curator yes. for, the, uh, for the Frank Lloyd Wright. And Tom Hagen grew up directly across the street from here at 341 West Six. So that's. I wanted to make sure I told you that. Well, I was going
1: to say, is that is that, has, has, is that house uh, back in the fold of the Hagen household or what?
0: No, it, it's not. As oh. a matter of fact, I believe it's a Gannon sorority house. These
1: oh, days. is it really? Or, or an apartment building. There's two of them side
0: by gotcha. side that are identical to each other. But I I think, you know, Tom is a real eerie guy. Yes. and. He's always loved the neighborhood he grew up in, and I think that's the reason that we've been uh, the beneficiary of, of, of his generosity as much as we have.
1: You, you said it well to me that you know uh, someone of, of means can spend their money on a lot of things, and this man spent it on bringing our history to our contemporary times, which is is an important and, and really worthwhile investment.
0: Yeah, I think we, t- we talked about that the last time I was on, yeah. on the air.
1: Yeah, yes. absolutely. All right, but how, how, about, how about membership real quick? Uh, is this a good time to become a Historical Society member? Absolutely,
0: uh, check out our website. We're going to be uh, mailing out um, you know a couple of thousand uh, membership to people that we have had some sort of contact with. But if you uh, go on the website, eriehistory.org, um, there is a place to become a member.
1: All right, we're going to leave it there. George Deitch, the executive director, Pam Parker, the project manager. Thank you guys so much for taking us through this audio uh, tour of what we can look forward to on Saturday, July 17th, Sunday, July 18th, the grand reopening of the Hagen History Center. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you, Joel. You've been listening to The Joel Natalie Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from talkerie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at talkerie.com.